you know, we're trying to look at things now like how do we build better templates? How do we set these people up with frameworks and such to deliver content that's micro by making it easier for them to produce it? Gentlemen, welcome back to this live episode of Move the Deal podcast, where we are live with Showpad's Transform Sales Enablement Conference here in Chicago. Move the Deal is a podcast for sales leaders looking for timely insights into their must-win deals. See the move that moves the deal. And for talent, sales ops, and sales enablement professionals. aspiring to provide their sales teams with world-class tools, talent, and technology. You can subscribe to our podcast at movethedeal.com. Very good, thank you. I'm delighted to welcome our guest to the show today, Ms. Helen Yu, the Chief Commercial Officer for Showpad. Helen has a very distinguished career, bringing several organizations, including Oracle, Adobe, and Marketo, with customer centricity. She's also a board advisor to several successful startups, and today I'm excited and delighted to have her here on Move the Deal podcast. Helen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the warm introduction, Greg. Happy to have you here. Helen, I think a great place to start would be if you could just tell us a little bit about your role and how you define success at Showpad. Sure. I am responsible for delivering the unexpected customer experience at Showpad on a global scale. So when I say unexpected, it means that we're unforgettable. So that's my role. And when we think about uh, customer success, it's really um, coming from three different perspectives. One is the competency. At a competency level, what kind of competency you're trying to build? There are five competencies at organizational level. Number one is how you understand the lifetime value of your customer, and then how would that lead to your overall growth at Showpad? Number two is how do you align the leadership team around customer experience? And number three is really build this active listening customer path, right? Turn that into actionable insight. And number three is how do you create a culture of accountability around unforgettable customer experience? And then most importantly, the last one is how you deliver the reliable and proactive experience that really matters to your customers. So if you want to really build the, really uh, that experience, there are things you have to do. You have to have leadership in place, the processes in place. Uh, we are currently working around the customer journey mapping to really better understand our customers, right? Who they are and then what kind of use cases each of them has and then why they invested in Showpad in the first place, and then how do we really help them leverage our solution to drive their engagement with their customers and expand their value with their customers. And then also through that process, we currently define the roles and responsibilities among ourselves and then build out the process that process gap, right? bridge the process gap that to, to really better serve our customers. Can I ask you a question now? So, um, you've brought customer centricity to all these organizations that you've uh, worked with in the past and that you've advised. Can you give us a bit of a sneak peek into your playbook as to how you're going to bring even more customer centricity to Showpad and to Showpad customers? 
Absolutely. So one thing that we're, I, I mentioned a little bit about customer journey earlier, that's really, everybody talks about customer journey it become an overused term, right? What to really make it different at Showpad is our, we're, we're really turning that into something from moving from talk to action, right? We have the bite-sized goals or milestones internally to really looking into as the customer moves through the journey of evaluating the solution provider to make the investment decision and to adopting the, the solution and all the way through expanding and uh, being turning them into advocacy, they interact with each different functions of our uh, organization. And then we talk to our customers, we listen to them actively. Right, when I say we, I've, I've spoken to 40 plus customers in the past two months, and then we don't just listen to them, we synthesizing what we hear or heard from them into actionable, item, actionable insights, right? And then we tweak and adjust um, our process. We look at, based on their um, expectation, um, through that interaction with us. For example, if they're trying to look, of, look for a solution, we have some customers here or prospects here in this room today, you're still in the phase of evaluating if Showpad is the right fit. I've spoken to a few of you already. So you really want to know how other customers think about you. So each interaction with the customer becomes very critical um, because that could be a pivotal moment, right, for the customer, how they feel about you in, in a lifetime. And then that being said, we, we look at, do we have an internal process that for us to meet that expectation? If we don't, let's look into the process. How do we bridge the gap? So that's what we're going through as we speak. We're also looking at creating a customer room framework right now. That means that for every single customer, 1,200 of you, we understand the use case, right? What industry you're in, and then why you invest in us, the use case of, of Showpad, and then what are the things that really matters to you, to your business, grow your business, and then how do we turn that into a view where we understand how many among the 1,200 customers, how many of them are going through onboarding process or adoption process. If you're going through adoption process, where you are at with state, state of sales in open from crawl, walk, run phase, or if you're expanding your footprint with us, what matters to you? Or you become advocacy, you're, you're, you know, we need to be able to tell the success story of our customer. So those are things that we're going through as we speak, and then it will be definitely shifting the mindset of everybody within Showpad, and also help our customers to learn from each other, right, on an ongoing basis, and then so that we can, we can learn from each other, grow with each other, and thrive together. This is gonna to be tough. I want you to net out in one statement after 48 customer interviews, what's the main takeaway that you've come away with? The main takeaway is that the most important is to listen to your customer, not only to listen to them, to understand what matters to them, right? what success look like for them in the short term and longer term, and also get them inspired. Yep. Right? This is not just about the technology, it's about process, it's about the um, not in addition to the process, if they have the process in place and then you listen to where they are at, there's no RX that fits everything, not one size fits, fits everything here. Every single customer is unique in a way that 
you know, success means different to them, and the value means different to them. And how do you make sure that whatever you do, the you know strategies that along tailor tailor or personalize your interaction with them based on where they are at with their journey, and then that's very important. Okay, I want to double click on that. I want to maybe explore with you two different dimensions of that. So. I love the concept, know the customer, understand the customer, what are their business drivers, and how, how do they define success. How, in your view, does a sales professional understand that, what drives that customer's business? That's part one. Part two, if you wouldn't mind answering, would be how do we as sales enablement professionals enable that? So I would say it's a very good question, Greg. That's uh, not... How, it depends on how much time you have. We can spend a day talking about that. Let's do it. Are you, are you guys okay <laughs> on time for <laughs> So when it comes to understanding your customer, it's not just about the, you know, what they do with your technology. It's about in-depth knowledge about their business, right? Every single customer is unique in the way that you know, a chemical company will be very different from a high-tech company, so, but then they have common goals, right? And there's not only about the business aspect of what's relevant to them, it's about what's the personal drive, right? Building that emotional connection with your customer is critical, and then listening to them, and then sharing, telling them what they do not know, right? Don't just tell them what they know already, but tell them that, you know, you're doing this today, if you have a content, like challenge with your content, right? Telling them that how this has been done elsewhere, another customer likes them, and share that, connect them with the customers who are doing something, who are going through the same journey as them, and then always point out the things that they have not anticipated at the right time. And this is, I think, the uh, Steve yesterday at a keynote speech talked about the highly uh, connected and then ultimate convenience, it's, that's really what's relevant. That's how we provide the unforgettable customer experience. Very good, so I wanna ask you then, I think enablement can, great enablement leads to great customer engagement. Would you agree? Absolutely. Do you have any insights you can share about how to measure the impact of that engagement? How do you measure love? <laughs> <laughs> or passion, right? I would say you have to feel it. If you are a sales enablement profession, you've got to have this in your heart and have the passion for it. But that's being, you know, that's being said, there are ways that we can do to start really small steps to start, right? I think the first thing you got to do is to understand from talent perspective who you have in the company, what kind of skill set they have today. Right? Every single person learns things in a different way, and then you should really look into your top sellers out there, what kind of content they use today, what makes them more effective to begin with. And then you take that data to, to compare that to customer, right? Go talk to your customer, listen to your customer. What is our value proposition as a solution provider? And then what are things we can do to, to build those, taking, collecting the combined data, and then turn that into something more effective? So that's from talent perspective process. Do you really have a process in place today to onboard your sellers and help them better prepare and then get them engaged with your buyers and then optimize those insights? And then certainly it's technology, right? And you cannot do everything manually. You gotta really ask yourself, do I have a tool or technology that help me enable, you know, also collaborate across the board? 
So how has SaaS, how has the SaaS model impacted how enablement gets done? In the past 30 years, we've gone through three eras of software business, right? The, the first is, was the era of sales back in the 1990s. And then it shifted to the era of marketing. Most recently, it shifted to the era of engagement. So in the SaaS world, we can no longer take customers for granted. Right? It is you have to earn customer trust through every single engagement, every single day. So that's how the engagement model kick in. That's how it shifts the entire uh, interaction with customers. It is exciting that there is n now available today and only getting better this world where everything that we do as sales professionals can be measured in some cloud-based system. And as that comes together, the insights and analytics that are available are just absolutely fantastic. I was really enamored with Louis's presentation yesterday about how he's pulling all of those things together for the future, which I, I get so excited about the, the tech stack and the tools that are available to modern day professionals today. Let me maybe ask you um, one other question if I can. There's been quite a bit of discussion about a sh the shift that's occurring from sales enablement to revenue enablement. There's a live active debate going on around whether it's time to change the name and so forth. What do you think is spurring that shift around the, the change in names? Is it, is it valid? Uh, do you have a personal view on the direction and future of, of sales enablement maybe being titled enablement? Yeah, I am a big fan of that, by the way. I, I personally don't think sales enablement can be effective without enabling every single professional person interacting with the customer. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the interaction with the customer becomes a pivotal moment today, right? Because that can for really formalize the customer's view uh, for a lifetime. Every person that interacts with your customer or even prospect, that the really experience, customer experience starts with the pre-sales, right? Sales engineering team all the way through. And then, so just enabling salesperson is not good enough anymore, right? That's uh, why we should really call it enablement, business enablement in a sense. Great. In fact, speaking of pre-sales, I think that's a great place for us to bring up one of your customers onto the stage. So we'd like to now bring up Doug Knight to the stage, who is a Showpad customer. Doug, come on up. Doug has a long and distinguished career uh, in, uh, Doug is, by the way, let me start with, Global Head of Sales Enablement for Avanti, IT security software firm. And prior to that, he's got a long and distinguished career, really from the field side in, in pre-sales, solution architect, solution engineering. It's always great when someone brings the practitioner perspective to the enablement profession. So Doug, great to have you here today. Thanks for having me here, Greg. Helen, it's good to see you again. We thought this was a great chance since we've got the chief customer officer here on stage to also bring up one of the customers. So Doug, do you have a view? Out in the field, are you seeing this similar kind of shift of sales enablement moving into a broader enablement focus? Absolutely. Um, I, the way I would put it is, it's like the word uh, mnemonic. You know, you drop the M. And uh, sales enablement, you know, you might as well just drop the, the sales out of it. I mean, our company, Avanti, you know, we, uh, we've been in existence as Avanti for three years. We were actually, you know, a makeup of multiple brands that came together, you know, Landesk, 
Pete software, you know, Res software, you know, AppSense. So we brought four companies together under this Avanti umbrella. And, you know, you bring everything together, you merge these Salesforce instances together, you bring these content repositories together. You know, there's some enablement challenges that come with it. I was asked to, you know, come from the pre-sales side to, to take up the sales enablement uh, charter at the company. And the minute that that happened, you know, nobody remembered that I had sales in front of the enablement thing. And so it's like, it's, it's all about enablement. It's like, hey, I hear you're gonna fix enablement here at the company, hey, enablement this. It became like kind of like this joke, you know, within the company. And so you might as well just drop the enablement thing. And, and, and to be honest with you, it was, it's actually a good perspective and a good way to approach our function, I think. Because what it's allowed us to do is kind of redefine some things. One of the things that I took responsibility for was the onboarding of our salespeople. And, you know, we created this content. We're constantly refining it. And next thing you know, I have people coming to me from other groups, particularly like our marketing group and our product group, asking if they can attend. And it's like, hey, welcome to the party. And it's like, it's such a great opportunity because now, and this is a little, you know, skewed view maybe, you know, here I now have the ability to steer these people in the directions that sales wants them to be steered, right? So now all of a sudden, yeah, sure, come to our, our onboarding and learn. It's like, and if you come, you have to do everything we do, which is like learn how to pitch the product and do our workshops and stuff. It's a full-blown commitment. And so now these people are getting a better understanding of you know, what sales is like, what we need, and it helps our messaging get, get better. It helps, you know, our products get better because of, of what we've done there. Can you speak a little bit about how you measure enablement effectiveness in your organization? So how do you know when you're getting it right on the enablement side? And do you have any metrics that would indicate that the customer is also coming along on that journey with you? Yes, and uh, you know, a lot of times we look at the same you know, metrics that everybody does, you know, time to first deal. One of the ones that's elusive for me now is time to first deal from pipeline that this individual may have actually started or curated through the entire process. That's a, that one's a little harder to, to kind of put together. But you know, the, the metric that uh, you know, started resonating with myself and, and other members of the team is when we found something where it, it, we could kind of resonate throughout the entire company. And we have a, you know, a customer initiative in the company. Everybody typically has one. You know, I want to be close to my customer. And ours is branded customer for life. And so it's an initiative where everybody, you know, it's like, hey, what do we do and support so that we can make customers customer for life? And as we were talking through this, you know, one of our um, people on our executive staff, you know, brought up an insight from some of the data that they were looking at, and they said, you know, when we have a customer that has three or more Avanti products in it, they tend to be customers for life. So that three has become kind of like the metric that I use as, you know, hey, how's our progress going with our customers? New sales rep comes in, you know, what's the time it takes for them to start selling three or more products. Every quarter, what percentage of our sales force is selling three or more products? Every quarter, how many of our deals are made up of three or more products? And you know, what things are we doing in our enablement training to help drive that vision of getting three or more products you know, into our customers so that they become customers for life? Was there anything in particular that you did to get the 
business leaders and sales executives on board with that metric being the limits of success? You know, it was just one of those things because it was tied to this company initiative. You, you, you bring it up and it was, it was less like an automatic yes. Okay. You know, it, it just made sense. Yeah. You know, it was just innate. That's great. That's great. So we've got this privilege of having you both on stage here, and I'll, I want to pull the thread all the way through here. So, uh, Doug, as a customer of Showpad, knowing that you've got the chief customer officer here on stage with us, this is your wish list. Is there anything that you would like to ask of Helen that would make your customer engagement even better? Well, you always come to these events prepared for <laughs> these kinds of things. I'm trying to figure out which one of these pages has the, uh, you know, actually, um, I'm very appreciative of, of Showpad, you know, first of all, for putting this, this on because it, it helps me address the, the issues that I want. But um, most importantly, I'm very satisfied with the way that they respond you know, to our requests. We have one in motion right now. You know, one of the things you know, we talk, and I think if there's the one thing I would say is keep it up with the integration. You know, that seamless integration that you know, across you know, not only the workflows, but you know, the third party systems and the other things that, that we do because we're so reliant on them. And you know, personally, I'm not a big fan of um, things on the client side, like plugins on the client side and stuff like that, and anything we can do to make that more transparent, you know, and log activities in such a different way. And in fact, just to tell you how responsive Showpad is, I was uh, talking to another vendor that we have, because everyone integrates the Salesforce, and I was talking to him about what we're doing with Showpad and how we're getting activity information and such in there. And it came to the point where it's like, hey, you know, we're, it makes sense to have both of these companies talk to each other about their APIs and their SDKs. And I make an email introduction, and they're talking right now. It's great, you know, and so that, I really appreciate that about so, Showpad. So, Greg, Doug was the first customer I spoke to after I joined Showpad. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So, very good. The fact that he's nice to share the stage today is just an, I'm honored. Speaking about integration, right, I was talking to Looker. Uh, two weeks ago, Zach, I know Sarah is in the room, but not Zach. Luker now is part of Google, shared this feedback with me. He said, she, he said, Helen, do you know that Showpad is the second best API company except for Google? I was almost floored. I was not aware until I heard that from Luker. Right? That's being said, every single piece of uh, feedback from our customer, we take it to heart, right? Negative or positive, this is how we create the unforgettable or customer experience. That's, that's exactly what Showpad delivers. Great insights. Okay, I'm conscientious of the time. I really could go on for hours and hours. I know our guests are probably ready for a break. So I, those of you who listen to the podcast know that I like to end our podcast with a, a section called What's Your Move? What's Your Move? The, the inspiration when we put this podcast together was we wanted to be able to provide our listeners with some actionable insights across a range of of areas pertaining to sales, sales enablement, talent, and so forth. And so for your last question, I want to ask for your actionable advice for us as sales professionals, sales enablement professionals, and marketing professionals, okay? So Doug, here's my question for you. We are really moving into this world where, um, I think I maybe heard you call it the attention economy, where spans of, of attention are very, very small. What's your advice for 
making sure enablement is successful in that kind of attention economy. Yeah, clearly you own the, and the talk about, you know, micro content, snackable content. Was it the Sales Enablement Society meeting a couple of weeks ago and Kate Katowski from Amazon specifically talked about the attention economy and she revealed some statistics from their studies where it's like, you know, we start shutting off after 111 words, you know, 40 seconds on digital interaction content. And it's, a, and it's a real concern. And it's something that resonates with me. You know, I never thought when I graduated in information science from you know, my university that I would be like looking into things like neuroscience. And I look at this stuff now. In fact, if you want to look at a very interesting article, search about um, Apple and their keynotes and how neuroscience applies to how they do their keynotes. And it, and it deals with you know, how much attention we have. And it's, it's not because of our phones. You know, the phones are our enabler. It's just the way that our brain operates from ha learning how to seek for things. And we, we're constantly seeking for things. And the thing that I found is like, yes, we're trying to do more micro content and smaller consumable pieces. But remember, it's bi-directional. It's not just for the people that are consuming. It's getting people that create the content to build it that way. And the reason why they deliver 45-minute recordings is because they have that same stress on them you know, of this micro you know, attention economy. So it's just easier just to do a, a full recording, for example. So on the enablement side, you know, we're trying to look at things now like how do we build better templates? How do we set these people up? with frameworks and such to deliver content that's micro by making it easier for them to produce it. Very good insights. And now I'm going to turn to you, Helen, and I'm going to ask you, uh, given that you're getting out there with a lot of customers right now, you're probably seeing examples of sales enablement organizations that are working and some that are probably a little less effective. So obviously, just having a sales enablement function does not equal your sales organization is enabled, right? So what would your advice be to the heads of sales enablement or the business executives running that business that would serve as the litmus test to make sure that the processes and practices that they're putting in place in sales enablement are in fact leading to an enabled organization? I would make it a triple play, right? You think about, we talk about process. You have to have a process in place that's relevant to your sellers out there, and you got to know who they are, back to the talent uh, comment earlier, because each seller is different. You got to analyze the top seller versus the low performer, and then how do you move some of the mid-performer to the top performer sellers, and then the piece of content they use, and then how they interact or engage with their buyers. So that's very important. The other element is getting to know the customers, how you go to market, why the customers became your customer, right? The, the, the ability to storytelling about your customer success, leverage that in the field to really drive that success. So enable your sales team to be able to tell the story, success story of other customers, and then that's really important. Thirdly is the two, the technology. If you don't really have anything in place, no matter how brilliant you are, you won't be able to get to uh, where you need to be. Yesterday, actually, Forrester, uh, Mary Shear talk shared her research, right? So she mentioned about for companies who've gone through who CRM and then they've gone through marketing automation and market over the world, and then they leverage Showpad, right, to improve the engagement, the ROI for that is 600 plus percent. 
that's amazing, right? It's just really, but that's the reality. You got to really look at everything from people process technology perspective. Remember, you have to earn your customer trust with every single, through every single engagement and never take that for granted. Fantastic insights. Doug and Helen, thank you so much. Can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thanks for being here. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. To all of our listeners and to all of you who are live here in the audience today, thank you so much for listening once again. Move the Deal is hosted by myself, Greg Moore, produced by Miller Hyman Group, now Corin Ferry, and edited by Dan Jakes, and conceived by the amazing Stevie King. As season one comes to a close, I want to thank all of our guests, all of our listeners for an amazing year. A very special thank you to our host today, Showpad, for an amazing conference. Thank you, Showpad. Join us next time for more timely insights on how you can see the move that moves the deal. Thank you very much. Yeah.